This is a bonus episode of Decoding Fox News, and I am your host, Juliet Jeske. Each week, I watch and analyze a lot of Fox News and then break it down. And what we're going to go over tonight is the night of Donald J. Trump's third, third (laughs) criminal indictment. And it was interesting. The second indictment wasn't as fun. The third one, it felt like the fun was back. The fun, the panic, the emotional breakdowns were back. And I was here for them. I was here for them. Give me that schadenfreude. Here we go. We're going to start with the fun. He's front running it. We don't know anything. I don't know where Jack Smith is. We were said he was supposed to come out at five. I don't know where he is. If you look at the year ahead in the election, it is election interference. I mean, this is going to change the election. Uh, They're going to put Trump in what? At least two federal trials in an election because year? Because they didn't get the political result that they wanted right. out of impeachment. That this is another way to do, like, past impeachment and then future impeachment and, like, the past perfect impeachment. Not <laughs> everybody believes January 6th was Hiroshima. Not everybody believes that. No one We talk. That. To people on the street all the time. A lot of people don't even know what January 6th was. Of course, that came out this week of President Trump spending a lot of the campaign money that's been given to him by donors on his legal defense. The president lied about election fraud and knew there was no fraud. (laughs) How do they know that he knew that there was no fraud? And if this goes to trial, are we going to now have to go back and find fraud in the 2020 election? Is this now what we're going to go relitigate? Does this open up the entire 2020 election? To me, if I were him, I would definitely want to be on the debate stage on August 23rd because then he could be in a position to look at all of the people around him, including Chris Christie, a big critic of his, and say, who here thinks that this indictment of of me was fair. And so it would be great for him to show up and ask. It's also hurting state Republican parties. The the swing state Republican parties have the worst financial records. I just want to cut in here really quickly uh, to point out that Dana Perino, kind of almost like a precision, like like she just stuck it in there, got in a theme I think we're going to hear, and it's going to get increasingly more desperate about the Republican debate in that I have heard whispers of this on the network, uh, but I think it, it's going to get to a fevered pitch because they want Trump to be at the debate because it will be incredible for the ratings. Of course it would be. So she got that in, and then she also masterfully slipped in the, by the way, this is hurting Republicans at the states, at these swing states that need all the help they could get, these constant indictments and him spending campaign money on his, which is kind of crazy. He's supposed to be a billionaire, right? But he's spending his campaign money, donations, on his legal defense. And that's going to hurt Republicans in swing states. But, uh, yeah, we're going to hear a lot more about that debate in the coming weeks. A political war crime. This is overkill. This is political germ warfare. (laughs) These are political war crimes. It's an atrocity. It's like not just dropping one atomic bomb. You drop... 15 dozen. If you trigger a re-election by Donald Trump and he gets in there, you think he's not going to go after the Bidens? He might go after Dr. Jill at this point. (laughs) After you've been rummaging through Melania's underwear drawer, turning his life upside down. Spreading false rumors and allegations of election irregularities. 
Really? Is that a criminal issue? I mean, is that is that the basis of this conspiracy? Now, that last voice you heard was Jonathan Turley. He's one of the legal analysts um, for Fox News. He's a lawyer and a law professor. Uh, actually, Jonathan Turley, it is. It can be. It depends on what you do regarding uh, misinformation, disinformation about an election. I will use two brief examples. Um, I was an election protection volunteer in 2004 in St. Louis. I flew back uh, to help out. And here, here's a couple examples. If you gathered a crowd in a public park and told the crowd of people that if they uh, showed up to vote and they had a warrant out for the rest or unpaid parking tickets or something like that, that they would be arrested. That is, that is, you're lying about their voting rights. That is a federal crime. Another one is if you wrote out on a pamphlet that you, if you wanted shorter lines, you could vote on Wednesday, or Democrats could vote on Wednesday, also a crime. Federal crime, you can go to prison for that. If you call somebody on the phone and you do that. Another one is, uh, we saw this, I saw this firsthand. Uh, somebody had gone around this black neighborhood with clipboards, and they had asked, it was mostly mothers, young mothers who got screwed over with this one. They had them fill out forms telling them they were registering them to vote. And these young women uh, filled out the form. And then these people who, with the clipboards committed two crimes. In Missouri, these are crimes. If you ask the party affiliation uh, and if you ask who they're voting for. And in every case of these young women that we talked to, they all said Democrat. They all said John Kerry. And yet they showed up to vote and they weren't registered. So we think the person threw them away. Um, all of those are crimes. Everything I just described are crimes. So yes, elections are tricky and they are, we have incredibly liberal, uh, laws regarding speech, but they, there are some exceptions, incitement to violence, which is very specific. And, uh, some of these voter basically suppression, uh, tactics are so considered illegal. So moving on now, the five gave me so much. It's three, it's three little clips, but this next one, she needed her own section because I thought she made some great points and I couldn't fit it in with the rest. It just didn't work. Jessica Tarloff, the liberal on the five, um, she got a lot out, a lot of screaming over her, but she did her best. Here we go. Some incredibly important facts that have come out about the January 6th case. Steve Bannon is on tape talking before the election about how they're going to act as if Trump won it before he even knows what's going to happen. You have Peter Navarro, who goes on TV bragging about this. He even wrote a book about how Steve Bannon has orchestrated the whole thing, and it's like a football team, and that he's the quarterback. I think they were the FBI, Green The FBI deprived people of rights what? when they covered up the laptop. Or the CIA, what are you who finagled the laptop. You know what I'm talking about. No, I, I That's I corruption before the election, having, and that denies people of rights. Having a story, a New York Post story, taken down for 24 hours, and what happened on January 6th are so utterly incomparable, I'm actually shocked at you. So what you think of the fact that during the January 6th commission, we heard from all of these witnesses who said that Trump did know that he had lost the election, that he was being told by everyone in his inner circle that that was the case, and that many of his lawyers, when actually having to face a judge and show up in court, kind of ran away with their tail between their legs and wouldn't advance the kind of lies that they were promoting on social media and in interviews. Great. Um, so Americans fully understand and care about what these crimes that Donald Trump is alleged 
to have committed because a majority of Americans think that he committed felonies and a majority of Americans don't want him to be president again, which is your general election problem. And Anthony, Andy McCarthy has a piece out today in the National Review called Trump Can't Win, which I think sends a pretty clear signal about what he thinks there. To this point about election interference, riddle me this, Jesse. Yes. What do you think Comey was doing in October, coming out and saying, hey, everybody, um, I just wanted to let you know that we did look into Hillary Clinton's emails again, but now that's closed. Oh, go have a nice day. There is a clear line between Jim Comey walking out and doing that for no apparent reason except loving to be in front of the camera. No one said, hang Joe Biden. How many Democrats they said, refused hang. to go to the inauguration? Democrat, oh my God, Democrats not, stood on the House floor and refused to Not going to a ceremonial party and, and storming the, the Capitol? Uh, you know, I just want to add that um, this project started in February 2022, and I have seen tremendous growth in Tarloff in that time. She was always whip smart, but she's gotten more assertive and just won't put up with them yelling over her. She just calmly takes a breath, keeps going. And um, somebody asked, like, how does she survive there? Why haven't they gotten rid of her? Because she's so good at what she does. And my theory is... Um, there is a percentage, and Fox knows this, of liberals and Democrats who watch Fox, probably because they're married to somebody who's a Republican or they don't have control over the channel, or maybe they just, I don't know. I don't know why anybody would want to watch this network, but um, <laughs> I don't know. But it could be that she definitely creates drama. And um, when you watch somebody like Harold Ford Jr. on, it's like a snooze fest because he just agrees with everybody. And like, uh, Geraldo Rivera was sort of a mixed bag on that one because sometimes he would just agree with everybody and sometimes he'd like totally get into it with them. And I think drama is good. It helps keep eyeballs on rather than it just being the same old, same old. So that's my theory. I just think she's gotten much more assertive and stronger and more um, sure of herself. And I just thought she did a great job there. But even in that clip, I couldn't cut them all out. They just, they just jump over her. They just start yelling. When she gets too close to something, they're like, okay, we can't have this. We can't have this. And I'm like, oh, here we go. Now, I do have three little clips for the five because it was, this is why I do. It was so exciting because the indictment came down during the show. They knew it was coming. So they had no commercials. They didn't do any other segments. The entire program was dedicated to this. And when it happened, Dana Perino had to cut in and be like, it's happening now. It's officially happening now. And she had to basically cut people off. And they had, they had uh, uh, the, their legal an analyst, Andrew McCarthy, and they had Jonathan Turley like, cut in and talk and, and, and that sort of thing. And yes, as Tarloff mentioned, Andrew McCarthy did write an editorial basically saying Trump can't win. And then he was on the, <laughs> these Trump shows saying, oh, this is horrible what's happening to him. I should say Fox shows. Trump shows, Fox shows, it kind of turns into the same thing sometimes. Anyway, so this is the last of the five. And I want to add this. Um, when people say women are more emotional than men, they've never watched Jesse Waters have a breakdown. Uh, and we'll get more, more of him later. But he... and. I'll give him this. We didn't have Judge Pirro. Judge Pirro was not on the panel this day. So we didn't also have a, an equally loud panelist. But everything he says sounds like he's about to burst into tears. 
he was like this for the second indictment and he was like this for the first indictment. So I just find that very humorous that he's like always on the brink. Yet he would call women, women are hysterical, but I'm Jesse Waters and I'm going to be like, oh my God, what are we doing? He's just, I can't really do his voice, but he was just yelling the whole time, yelling the whole time. So here we go. Uh, it seems to me rather uh, loose at the joints. Well, the indictment reads like a transcript of an MSNBC show. <laughs> First point, they said the defendant impaired the federal government from functioning. Isn't that literally the Republican Party platform <laughs> to, to reduce the ability of the federal government from functioning? That sounds hilarious, you know, because, you know, smaller government, drown in a bathtub, all that nonsense from Reagan. But here's the thing. Wait till you need Social Security. Ha ha. Stuff like that. You might want the federal government to function. Just saying. Just saying. Security. And then they're saying the, Trump said the voting machines weren't secure. Again, we're going back to voting machines at trial in court in an election year. We're going to bring in voting machine executives who explain everything's fine. And then they're up on cross-examination. We're going to go through that again, Jonathan Turley. And, and, and then lastly, they're saying lying about an election is illegal. Well, then Hillary, lock her up. Okay, so you can probably hear the panic that I was talking about. We're really going to go through election again? We're going to do that? We're going to have voting machine people? Hey, Waters, why did the company you work for pay out three quarters of a billion dollars. Who did they pay that to? Who did they pay that to? That was a voting machine company. <laughs> oh my, what? I, did you know that? Did, didn't some of your coworkers get fired abruptly with no warning right after that happened? And then you openly joked that you might lose your job? Remember that? I don't know if you want to be talking about voting machines. I'm just saying, maybe something else. Maybe ballot stuffing or, or, or ballot harvesting or some nonsense like that. But voting machines, I don't think is the best idea. I think steer away from that topic because you still got the Smartmatic uh, lawsuit coming up anyway. Really hard for me to take this seriously. And I don't think any sensible mm -hmm. American should, they, they should take what's happening very seriously it should anger them and it's criminalizing speech you have every right to think an election might be rigged or fixed i mean is every institution perfect well jack we smith uh last month was um listening to jonathan talk about this and, and ask the question about whether these statements were criminal to me, translates into this is the criminalization of what the left likes to call disinformation and misinformation. They want it to be illegal. I mean, there's all these polls showing they want that if you say something online that they don't like or something like that, that you should go to prison for it. And, and I know the Supreme Court well. I don't know the justices personally, but this is what they tell me about the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court values the fabric of the society. And they are legal mumbo jumbo if you read this thing. And I'm actually, I'm actually bothered that Jack Smith put me through this. And he ended it with that button, you know, because Jesse Waters just, he knows, he knows the Supreme Court. He does. I, I would love to just ask him, say, how many justices? Don't look it up. Drop your phone. How many justices? Give me one conservative. Give me one liberal. Give me the full name. Do it. He couldn't do it. You know he couldn't do it. We know he couldn't do it. 
He said self-checkout was challenging. We, I played that clip a couple weeks ago. Self-checkout. I, don't, I didn't put it on the podcast. It was on Twitter. But he said self-checkout was challenging. He couldn't do self-checkout at a grocery store. Jesse Waters, ladies and gentlemen. Jesse Waters. Um, I realize I'm 16 minutes in. I haven't mentioned my sponsor yet. I should do that very quickly. The Townite Center for News Integrity at Craig Newmark Graduate School of Journalism at CUNY. And again, as I always say, I'm a graduate of that program, not a student. Um, and, and this is very exciting, I am also supported by listeners of this podcast and readers of my newsletter. There will be no newsletter version of this. I don't have time. I need to get this out as quickly as possible. And the newsletter would have slowed me down significantly. So, um, because I think we're going to have some more drama this week. So I just wanted to get this out. Um, but if you'd like to become a supporter, you can go to my Substack at Decoding Fox News for Substack. You can go to my Patreon at Decoding Fox News Patreon. There's a little dollar sign next to my name at Twitter. All of these things can help. And if you can't afford to become a sponsor in any way, shape, or form, that's totally fine. Share the podcast. Tell your friends. Share the newsletter if you're a newsletter reader. Anything that you can do on social media, uh, most appreciated. That helps just as much. Now, next up, we have the um, Brett Bear special report with Brett Bear, which is the legit news program. And I decided to grab that because I wanted to see what had happened. Because now at this point, because it was again, it was like mid mid show in the five, the actual indictment came down. So Brett Bear had a little bit more time to prepare. Not much. I think they all knew this was coming. So we're about to hear two unfamiliar voices. The first one is Mark Short. He uh, is the former chief of staff for Mike Pence, Vice President Mike Pence. And the other one is John Lauro, who is a former lawyer for Donald J. Trump. You've quickly seen kind of the president's, former president's defense shift to now saying, well, look, lying and defrauding the public isn't necessarily a crime. He's being indicted for free speech. He's being indicted for objecting to the way that the 2020 election was carried out. And any American that takes that view should be equally concerned, are they next? Because the reality is that if a president can be indicted for free speech, then anybody can be indicted. So when this case goes to trial, we're going to be representing not just President Trump, but every single American that believes in the First Amendment. Which one of those states since that time, now we're talking about two years later, has not reopened those cases. They have not, some of them have had audits, but they have not reopened the 2020 election from that point of view. And some of them are Republican legislatures. So that voice was Brett Baer, and he was talking to John Laro, and he was making very, uh, Brett Baer was, he's, he's supposed to be one of the legitimate reporters on Fox News. So he does push back a little bit more. And if you saw there, he's basically saying, well, you know, we've had all this time and there's been no, oh, by the way, yeah, this election was stolen. No, it wasn't. It wasn't stolen. So now we're going to go back to Mark Short again. Again, he's the um, former chief of staff for Vice President Mike Pence. But at the same time, I think he does a great job of presenting himself as a victim. And, and while the, the Russia hoax investigation, I think, was clearly unfair, I don't think he's really a victim in this case. And I don't think it's right to say he's protecting the First Amendment rights of all Americans. And I think John distorts some of the facts here. And that the reality is that, that Donald Trump asked Mike Pence to overturn the results of the election. And the prosecution has handwritten notes from some of the president's senior aides that say, since Pence won't go along with this plan, maybe we pivot to the just return it to the states. 
And so that whole notion as well is something that is not afforded the vice president of the Constitution. It's never been done in 250 years. And as you said, all of the states, even the Republican uh, legislatures, certified the results and sent it to Congress. So it's interesting that um, Brett Baer had Mark Short on because Mark Short could definitely not be called pro-Trump. And he points out very specific things about why this scheme to have Vice President Mike Pence sort of halt or slow down the certification process for President Biden was completely insane. Uh, I also want to point out to give some added context in the Dominion voting systems lawsuit in the legal briefs that were released to the public. They were partially redacted, but in what people like myself and others were able to get out of them is that there was a rift between the legitimate news programs on Fox and the opinion news programs on Fox. Now, the opinion news shows get higher ratings across the board. Uh, and the non-opinion shows, you know, don't do as well in the ratings, but they actually attempt to be uh, real news and not be, you know, nonsense. So during the time that's basically referenced in the uh, legal briefs that were available to the public to read about this defamation lawsuit, it was very clear that the legitimate news was fighting and battling over this false story that Fox News executives and Fox anchors had no problem kind of promoting. Again, this is according to those documents. And so I, I find it interesting that Brett Baer, you know, was like, that's it, Mark Short. I don't care. I'm not going to have, you know, sycophants go on and just praise Trump and say that this is, entire thing is illegitimate. So interesting. Now, the next voice we're going to hear is Juan Williams. He used to be on The Five. He's considered a liberal voice on the network. We just saw pictures on the screen as this was taking place. You know, that was no garden party. That was real violence with real consequences. But he's not charged for that. But, that's but, beyond, that, but beyond that, it was, as Smith said, an attack on the democracy, on the form of government that is basis of our stability. And you think back, and you know, we've been running the statements. You think back to what Kevin McCarthy said at that time. You think back to what Mitch McConnell said. They said there's no question Donald Trump is responsible for the violence. You're gonna and Juan Williams is correct. That is what they said. It's been uh, fascinating to watch the backpedal. My favorite arc of this whole story, it's not included in any of these clips. Uh, I, I kept changing it because it kept changing, was I have a series of videos of Senator Ted Cruz, kind of <laughs> this crazy arc of saying it was terrorism and then saying, uh, well, maybe it was bad. And then he went on Tucker Carlson and Tucker Carlson like completely tore into him. And then suddenly he was like, these are patriots, sort of. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of kidding, but uh, I don't know if he actually called them patriots. But he did this complete 180 on uh, the January 6th terrorists where it, when it first happened, I think he just assumed that everyone would have enough sanity to see that this was a bad thing. And then he found out, oh, wait, no, my party members don't agree with me. And it was like this slow uh, evolution from, well, that was terrible what happened to, hey, they were just protesting. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. There, it's, I, yeah, I have a video. I might revisit it. Who knows? 
Um, but I kept changing it and adding to it as he kept changing and adding his stories. It was very funny. Uh, so anyway, next up, we have the Ingram angle. And this one was really fun this time because in the past indictment, she's been a bit um, measured. Laura Ingram is uh, an attorney. She used to clerk at the Supreme Court. Her expertise is white collar crime. I mean, it's been years since she was a practicing attorney, but uh, she's been a bit like almost academic about the other two indictments. Well, this time she was fired up and I was like, whoa. And most of the clips that you're gonna hear in this is just Laura Ingram. And I don't know what happened, but something snapped and she was, maybe it's the 7, 7 p.m. time slot. She's a little bit more awake. I don't know, I'm kidding. But like to go from 10 p.m. to 7 p.m. and now she's like all fiery. I was loving it because it was more entertaining. I read through this so-called January 6th charging document indicting Donald Trump on four counts, two counts of obstruction, two counts of conspiracy. This is a complete embarrassment. The Bidens have been on the take for years, getting rich off selling influence, and Trump's crime is disagreeing with the outcome of an election? What, complaining to a governor over the phone, speaking at a rally? They've charged grandmothers and military vets who merely walked into the Capitol through an open door. And they did that to send a message to the public at large. Do not even think about standing up for someone like Donald Trump again. Don't think about it. We could send you to jail. The DOJ does not care about what's happening in this country right now, where real crime is running wild or that Chinese spies are crawling all over the place. True to form, Ingram just whipped out the Chinese spies. Why not? <laughs> I don't think she could do a show without being like, you know, the economy is really bad and everything's really terrible and Biden's a horrible person, but Chinese spies! It's just like her thing. Oh, I think I just blew out my mic. Chinese spies! It's like in her. Like, there's something, it's like... Uh, you know, I, she's, she is obsessed with China. She is obsessed with China, which I always like to say, I want to like sometimes jump through the screen and say, hi, hey, Laura, you know, that most favored nation status that was J, uh, George H W Bush who did that. Not Clinton. It was Bush, Bush. I'm old enough to remember that one. Bush did it. I remember when he did it. Okay. Sorry. I'm yelling. I'm yelling, I'm becoming Laura Ingram a little bit. Okay. One family go. got really rich off of being in office and the other family, <laughs> Donald Trump got poorer and poorer as time was going on. Yeah, okay, just to clarify before you just say, what did that woman just say? Um, she just said that basically the Biden family got rich while in office, which I don't know if that's true because Hunter Biden's not really working right now. Um, and Joe Biden's just doing Joe Biden. And... At the same time, you know, because their theory is that Hunter Biden gave Joe Biden a ton of money. I don't know. Maybe he did. Right now, there's no real solid evidence of that. But OK, let's just say believe that premise. Um, but she also said that the Trump family got poorer. And that is not the case in the in in uh, terms of Ivanka and Jared Kushner. Jared Kushner actually got two billion with a B dollars from the Saudi royal family soon after Trump left office. And then there's enormous amounts of evidence that Trump was grifting everything. Like uh, the Secret Service would go down to Mar-a-Lago and they triple charge them. And 
he, you know, his hotel was basically just full of foreign dignitaries trying to suck up to him. They would just order, they like order all the rooms. Like, we're just gonna, we're gonna take the entire 10th floor, you know, or whatever. I don't know how tall that thing was, but there was a lot of, um, a lot of grifting going on there. But we're, you know, he got poor. He got poor. He needs your money, even though he's incredibly, he's, I'm really rich. I'm really rich, but I need your money. I'm really rich. I'm very, very wealthy. I'm a billionaire, but I need your money. The man sold, like, goofy trading cards of himself that weren't, like, not even real things. They were those virtual... Anyway, I'm going to go back to Ingram. I think it's what psychiatrists sometimes call projection, when they always talk about Donald Trump or Republicans shredding our norms. Senator Tom Cotton talking about projection. (laughs) All of this is projection in many ways, but we're going to keep going. Uh, Do you have any doubt that this Justice Department would seek to prosecute or investigate Governor DeSantis on something he did, perhaps sending the migrants over to California or or up to New York, uh, maybe federal kidnapping charges. I mean, do you doubt that this would be used as an enforcement tool for political victory? I will openly admit that's the first time I've heard that argument. And like I said, Ingram's not stupid. She worked that in because she that's like an I suspect we're going to hear that again and again and again, that this isn't because Trump committed a bunch of crimes. No, Trump's being indicted because he's a Republican. Although it's very obvious to anybody who's not MAGA that Trump committed a bunch of crimes. Like to us, it's like, what are you talking about? He committed a bunch of crimes. But to them, it's like, no, they're going to go after Ron DeSantis and they'll go after Vivek Ramaswamy and Tim Scott and, you know, just go down the list. I, I predict we're going to hear more of that one. No, Laura, I don't think you can rule that out, given Merrick Garland's conduct in office, because it's not just Donald Trump. Remember, it's moms and dads protesting at school board right. meetings or Catholics, go- Catholics going to a Latin mass. Or Now, in the Hunter Biden case, of course, the solicitation of bribery done with a wink and a nod. Now, back. You know, we don't put people in jail because we disagree with them. We put people in jail because they're dangerous. And well, that's Putin does. Here. Yeah, Putin does. Xi does. I mean, they, they put people in jail all the time. They just disappear altogether. So that first voice was Tim Pelletore. He's a former Trump lawyer. And I love that Putin does. She does. They put people in jail all the time. And I'm like, yeah, could you remember that the next time you d- defend Russia? Just, just you know, just slip that in there. Administrations were- come and go, but the state remains. And I think that's something that a lot of the American people are waking up to that we're living under a bit of an illusion of a constitutional republic. Yep. And the thuggish administrative state is coming to the forefront and saying, no, we're the ones that decide. That is Ned Ryan. He's of American Majority. He's the CEO of that organization. He's on Fox all the time. And he that's typical of him. He goes straight to like, this is the end of the world. <laughs> like He recently in the last podcast was basically saying that climate change was a plot by elites, but he wasn't, he was incredibly vague. He's like, we can't give in. We can't give in. Cause you know, that's it. It's over. Okay. Who's the elites? What's this plot? Don't worry. Don't mention it. Just say it's a plot. And people, old people watching Fox will be like, oh, it's a plot. Okay. I'm, I'm getting a little loopy. It's a little late. We're going to move on to Jesse Waters primetime. And again, when I say, remember that phrase, women get so emotional. Just remember this. We're going to go on this journey together. and We're going to remember this moment. Jesse Waters. Special counsel Jack Smith, who looked like a bedraggled nervous wreck, dripping with anger and highly emotional. 
Then the government says Trump tried to get some states to send in Trump electors instead of Biden electors. And only a tiny handful of states did that. And they're saying Trump broke the law when he asked Pence to do the right thing, to not certify and kick it back to the states. That was a different legal interpretation than many people had at the time, but it was a difference of opinion. But do you think Trump had any idea that he was breaking the law when he was asking Mike Pence not to certify? It's going to give Donald Trump the opportunity to relitigate the 2020 election in federal court. This is what Donald Trump's been dying to do for the last two and a half years. He's going to have subpoena power. He's going to cross-examine witnesses. He's going to put on his own witnesses. He's going to go out and prove or try to prove there was election fraud in Philly. Vegas, Arizona, Detroit. Be in court on bookkeeping charges with Stormy Daniels in Manhattan in March. He'll be in a Florida courtroom beginning in May on the Mar-a-Lago documents case. And he'll be in a D.C. courtroom on the January 6th charges, probably in the spring as well. He needs a body double. After these political war crimes have been perpetrated on him, Donald Trump is in the best position he's been in so far to win re-election. Can you believe that? At which point he'll have to pardon himself immediately. And don't you think for a second he's not going to unleash hell on all of his political enemies. So there was Jesse Waters having the kind of slow meltdown, breakdown, uh, existential crisis. A lot of emotion. A lot of emotion there. You don't even think for a moment that Trump's not going to do that because he's going to do that. Trump's going to do that. And then, and then, and then, and then what? I'm Jesse Waters. I can't, I can't really do his voice. It's harder for me to do men's voices, but that panic, that panic, that rhythm, that rhythm. What are we doing? What are we doing? I'm Jesse Waters. I'm just asking questions. I'm just asking questions. I don't know. What are we doing? What are we doing? Are we doing that? He kind of has a Seinfeld, kind of a rhythm to it, but not really. Not really. He goes up at the end of the lines, like a woman, like they always make fun of women doing. That's what Jesse Waters does. He goes up at the end of his lines. Really? He does. That's what it is. I finally figured it out. He does have a very distinct rhythm. Drives me nuts. Okay, so the next voice we're going to hear is Lara Trump. And I thought this was funny because, again, she's calling out this Biden, the greed of the Biden family. And I'm going, hi, hi, Jared Kushner. Jared, Ivanka Trump, they like made hundreds of millions of dollars when they were in the actual White House. <laughs> oh, we're, we're not going to talk about that. No, we're not. I think the timing, we got to get back to that with the Biden family. Let's start getting to the bottom of that, because, yeah. by the way, that has real national security implications for this country. That is a threat to the future of our constitutional republic. We cannot go forward and allow this Biden family to, uh, you know, be uh, doing what they've done and peddling Joe Biden and his influence for money lining their own pockets. It's disgusting. Yeah. And finally, the last guest on Jesse Waters primetime that I've included in this is Senator Rand Paul and this was bizarro because Jesse Waters mixed it up like most of the shows put almost all of their airtime on the Trump indictment but Jesse as he has done with the criminal indictment number one and criminal indictment number two he didn't do that he mixed it up he had other stories and one was this crazy we're gonna arrest uh Fauci uh okay Dr. Fauci, go arrest Dr. Fauci. And of course, so he had Senator Rand Paul on to talk about that. Didn't really make a ton of sense. But then he's like, oh, yeah, by the way, this indictment. And this was Rand Paul's contribution, which was an odd take. 
illegal. But I don't see sending some 75 or 80 year old elector uh, who says that they were a Donald Trump elector in Michigan to jail. Wasn't like they were doing it in secret. It wasn't a conspiracy. They just really believed there was fraud. They wanted to do something, and they tried in a legal fashion, and they were rebuffed. So odd angle. So the fake electors were are old, and they openly committed a crime. So you know, they didn't mean it. They didn't mean it. They're just you know, they really felt strongly about this fake election that they'd been lied to by Donald J. Trump. Yeah. Okay. So lastly, we have Hannity, and Hannity has my favorite guest of the night. I won't give it away, but this is a man who every time he speaks. Everything goes to 11 and that it's always pure sheer panic. He can't help himself and he's got no charisma and he looks like a ghoul. You probably know who I'm talking about already, but I, again, I don't want to give it away. We're just going to go into Hannity. Are we now living in America where equal justice is dead? The equal application of our laws is a thing of the past that we're the shredding of our constitution. We're witnessing this in real time in front of our own eyes that subjectively Donald Trump actually believed that he lost the election and acted contrary to that belief. Okay, his audio wasn't that great. The original audio wasn't that great, so I did the best I could. That's Alan Dershowitz making that comment. Um, he's all fired up. And now we're going to go into Greg Jarrett, who's another Fox staple legal analyst. This indictment uh, strikes me as an amateurish joke. Uh, frankly, Jack Smith, as special counsel, should be indicted for stupidity. It's that bad. Now we move on to everybody's favorite, I'm putting that in air quotes like I'm Donald Trump Jr., uh, guest, in that he will, I've said this before, look in the mirror, remind yourself how old you are, look at a picture of this man, and then look up his age, and you will feel amazing you will go i am the best looking person on the planet i must be doing something right wow it's stephen miller here we that go that doesn't change the fact that they are trying to throw this man in jail for multiple life sentences so what's at stake here is the president's freedom and as your earlier guest said free speech and the constitution itself sean this indictment is the legal equivalent of the french guillotine the reign of terror this is a mob mentality to take out Donald Trump. They are criminalizing any resistance to Democrat officials in the states who violated election laws. It's so funny to me because Stephen Miller is so bad at public speaking. Like, <laughs> he is, he's at where he's at because of his political beliefs and, you know, he's probably shrewd in some ways, but he's not good at public appearances because he just goes like this and then he starts yelling and then he yells and then I'm yelling and then I'm mad. And you know what? And you know what? And then Donald J. Trump. And then he's, it is like the guillotine and they are going to come and they're going to murder everyone, everyone here. They're going to murder them. And I look like I'm a monster as I'm saying this, even though I'm in my thirties. Could you believe that? I can't believe it either. What? Okay, I, I'm doing it. I'm, whew, takes a lot of, out of me to do that. So the next voice we're going to hear is Jason Chaffetz, former congressperson, now Fox News. All that January 6th committee brouhaha and all that garbage that went on, they, they, they had all these allegations against Donald Trump and he did this and he did that. There's nothing in this indictment 
the, against Donald Trump about getting rioters to go into the Capitol. They it, they didn't. They left out the part about peacefully. They purposely left that out. Purposely, patriotically marched to hear your let your voices be heard. And yes, that reference is to the speech that Donald J. Trump uh, made at the Ellipse on January 6th before people marched to the Capitol and had a riot. And yes, that is one line in the speech, but the rest of the speech is incredibly heightened language. That is, you know, like, we're not going to take it anymore. Don't let it. Don't let them do this to us. We must. We must. We must stop this before it happens. All you know, I'm paraphrasing, but the rest of the speech is incredibly heightened. And that is that one line. Um, we're going to go back to Stephen Miller. And again, he gets very worked up. Yeah. You want to talk about a conspiracy against the United States? Then throw the Mueller team in jail. Throw the Clinton team in jail. Throw everyone perpetrating the Russia hoax in jail. That was the conspiracy against the United States, just like Biden has been conspiring with his son, Hunter. And then speaking of hysterical guests for Fox News, we have Tommy, Tommy, however you want to say her name, Lauren, who's now on OutKick. And her voice is very hard because she speaks and then she doesn't breathe and then she speaks and then she doesn't breathe and you know that she's mad and she's mad right now and she's mad all the time. And let me tell you something. Let me tell you this is what's going on. But I can't help but think about the Americans out there that are not watching Hannity tonight. They're not watching Fox News. They're watching Bravo or they're not paying attention to news in general. And finally, we have Victor Davis Hanson. He's a, another staple of Fox News. He is with the Hoover Institute. He has a Ph.D. in the classics. So Systematically, out of some strange and bizarre pathological hatred of Donald Trump and, and fear of Donald Trump, they're dismantling the Constitution brick by brick. They're destroying 234 years of election protocol. I want to know what a brick is on the Constitution, because there aren't any bricks. But I get what he's saying. It's a metaphor, but it's a confusing metaphor. It's odd. Uh, so basically, to recap, lock her up. Uh, there will be vengeance. This indictment is garbage. Uh, the, the election was rigged, uh, and we're going to talk about voting machines, but we're not going to say Dominion or Smartmatic. We're going to avoid that. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of mass hysteria. Um, before I finish the end of the podcast, I just want to address this very quickly. Um, the Greg Gutfeld craziness calmed down today, and I'm not sure why. I don't really care. Um, I've had much, much worse trolling. I still don't have a single troll. No one's bothered me whatsoever outside of Twitter, and that's like nothing. Um, this is my theory, and I said this a while ago. Uh, people always said, Juliet, why don't they bother you and, and Kat over at Media Matters and, you know, Aaron Rupar and a few other people at Media Matters that have, you know, bigger followings and that, that sort of thing. And I kept saying, well, I think Fox knows that if they come at us, they'll get the absolute worst result and that we will blow up. And I had two days of, you know, a Fox News personality constantly tweeting about me. And I, I gained like 18,000 followers on Twitter. I gained paid subscribers on my Substack. I, I got new paid Patreon supporters. Um, I got press written about me. It's, you know, none of this has been bad for my brand at all. It's actually insane. That's a huge leap uh, for two days to get followers, 18,000. Not bad. Um, and right now, Fox is wounded. They paid out an enormous defamation lawsuit. Then they're paid out a 
you know, what most of us would consider a lot of money, $12 million, for Fox it's not, to Abby Grossberg. And they've got the Smartmatic lawsuit coming up, and they've got the Ray Epps lawsuit pending, and their, their ratings are down. And I think the last thing this network wants is to rehash in the public one of their hosts making a horrible comment about the Holocaust. Like, they really don't want that. They, and it would, if they were foolish enough to sue me, which is insane because it's not defamation. I know the legal definition of defamation. There's no way in hell this is defamation. Defamation would be if I said something like, I know for a fact that this Fox host has said horrible things about, um, you know, you know, anti-Semitism or whatever. And I have hundreds of examples. That would be, that would be defamation because I don't have hundreds of examples. That would be clear defamation. If I said something about, I know that this person's in a club full of people who don't, you know, share these horrible views. What my tweet is, if you break it down as it goes, opinion about what he said, summary of what he said, opinion about what he said. That's it. And then there's the clip. And the Auschwitz Memorial, the ADL, and the White House, especially the two, the ADL and the Auschwitz Memorial especially, both reference the video. Nobody references my tweet. Nobody uses my words. They completely ignore me, which is fine because it's not about me. But they all talked about the video, the contents of the video. They even quoted parts of the video. They, they mentioned the video. And those were his words, and he is responsible for them. That's how this works. So um, I feel fine about it. I, I, I honestly think if they did try to sue me, I could probably get a free lawyer uh, because they work on contingency countersuit for the, just for the harassment of the lawsuit because this is totally not defamation. And um, it, I have no fear over this one because people are gunning for that network. That network is wounded right now. They, like I said, they've paid out all this money. Their ratings have not bounced back after firing Tucker Carlson. Not, not even close, not yet. And I think they're nervous. I don't think they want more drama. And they certainly don't want this. They don't want the Holocaust clip back in the news. They don't want that. That's the last thing they want. And then they would turn me into a hero. I would probably get my own show from this. I don't want to get my own show this way. <laughs> I don't, I like doing a podcast from my apartment. I don't want that. But if, just two days of him pestering me on Twitter causes me to have that big of an increase. Can you imagine if I got a national story about this beleaguered poor journalist who dared to stand up for Jewish people and Holocaust victims against this man who inartfully said something on Fox News? Oh my goodness. Do you want to make me a superstar? Because you would. I know that. I feel very confident in this. So I wouldn't, because I don't want that drama. He doesn't want, he doesn't really want that drama. Nobody wants that drama. There's an easy way to fix this. Just clarify your statement. Just say, you know what? I, I didn't put it the best way, but I, I certainly don't feel that way about Holocaust victims. I was trying to paraphrase a book. That's how I saw the book, and I, I didn't mean any harm. That's it. One statement. That's it. That's all you need to do. A version of that. Just like Ilian Omar made, you know, not the best statements about Jewish people, and she... So, or Israel, I'm not even sure what she said, but she, I know she made some statements about the, the Benjamins and she did apologize. You can, and you don't even, in it, some people weren't happy with her apology, but there's ways to do it. There's ways to do it without um, making it worse. Because right now, all of this drama has just kind of made it worse because it's drawn more attention to it and I've gotten bigger and stronger. 
Uh, so I, you know, I'm just saying, just saying, but anyway, thank you for listening again. If you'd like to support this podcast, you can go to my Substack at decoding Fox news. You can buy Patreon at decoding Fox news, just share the podcast. There's not going to be a newsletter version of this because I don't have time. And Odin and Thor send their love. They are the podcast mascots. And I, I just want to say I'm very much a proud crazy cat lady. I call myself a crazy cat lady. So that, that insult, I just blink and go, what? It's like saying I'm blonde. It's like saying I have blue eyes. Um, I, I don't really read his stuff, but people send me Greg's insults at me on Twitter. And he, he said I had crazy eyes. My eyes are very large and they're very light blue. And since the time of childhood, people freak out over them. I get stopped on the street. People say, are they real? They, they mean the color. And I go, yeah, it's real. I'm German, Irish with Scandinavian. That's why I'm pale as a ghost and I have very light blue eyes. I also don't see very well. I have very thick glasses on right now. But anyway, I don't care. It's like my best feature. So you were going to bring that out. Go right ahead. It's fine. It's very difficult to insult me because I just don't care. If I don't know you and you're a stranger, I'm just like, whatever. Anyway, thanks for listening. I will see you at the next podcast. Hopefully it will be a fun one. Thanks so much.